We're in a historic moment in America. One that can lead to a breakthrough or one that doesn't. A breakthrough is up to us. Will we, as dads, participate in moving our country forward, or will we continue to hold it back? Today, we continue our conversation that I trust will lead us to a breakthrough. Becoming better parents, partners, and people, this is the Positively Dad Podcast. Thanks for joining me. I'm James Shaw, host of Positively Dad. My wife, Terry, and I are the proud parents of a rising third grader. Her name is Naomi. And I started Positively Dad to be a resource to you. We do two podcasts every week. On Mondays, we talk to an expert about something that's going to help us grow and get better. And on Thursdays, we talk to a dad about being a dad. We call those our Dad Talk episodes, and that's what you're listening to today. And our mission is to help fathers become better parents, better partners, and better people. And we intend to do that today. We're focusing on race and America for the next several episodes. We began our conversation in our last episode. It came out on Monday. And I talked with Andrew Grant Thomas from Embrace Race about where we are today and how we can move forward. And we talked about how, you know, we as families can talk with our kids about what we've seen over the last 10 plus days and the underlying racial injustice that's been part of America's history for well over 400 years. And we're going to continue that conversation over the next several weeks. We're going to talk to dads from all backgrounds about raising kids today so that we can learn from that, so we can grow and we can become better parents, better partners, and better people. Now, I'm white, my wife is white, our daughter is white, and, and as a white person, we have a responsibility to learn and participate in supporting the black community and being an ally for change. It's also my responsibility as a white man to become educated about the challenges that so many others face, uh, challenges that I don't face, and, and that's why we're having these conversations. It's not up for the black community to educate me, it's up to me to become educated. And so I trust that that's what we're going to do. As I have these conversations, I learn stuff every time, and I trust you will as well. So we're going to talk to a bunch of dads here over the next few weeks, and today we're talking with Eric Lindsay. Eric is from Boston. He's a father of two boys, ages 3 and 11, and he's going to share about how this moment in history is impacting his oldest son, his 11-year-old. He's going to talk about the conversations that they're having, and he's going to talk about what it's like to raise a family that's black in America. So we're going to learn a lot from Eric today. I'm very excited about it. Let's jump in and chat with him. Eric, thanks so much for joining us on Positively Dad. No problem. My pleasure. I'm happy to have you. Would you tell us real quick a little bit about you and your family? Yep. Um, so my name is Eric Lindsay. Um, I was born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. I currently uh, still live here. Uh, I'm a Kel- uh, real estate broker with Keller Williams Realty. Um, I've been in that business for about 14 years. Um, and right now I have, I'm raising two boys. I have a three-year-old Daniel and a 11-year-old Nathaniel. So Daniel and Nathaniel, it's a little tongue twister. <laughs> That's fun. So um, I'm excited to chat with you. And the reason is, is, is I saw a post that you'd made on Facebook, and I'm going to read mm-hmm. just a little bit of a part of it. Yep, and then we can dive in. It, it, you said uh, last night, and you, you posted this, by the way, back in, uh, on June 1st. You said, last yep. night, I sat with my 11-year-old son and watched the news showing images of the protests and riots across the country. We had an on, honest conversation of what's going on in America uh, right now. And it was a heavy conversation, to say the least. After analyzing the events that led up to this weekend, I laid in bed mentally exhausted and honestly not knowing how I was going to find the motivation to get up for the workday. 
We're two and a half months into quarantine life, and personally, I'm Zoomed out, struggling with home-based teaching, still providing for my family, and how are we supposed to just continue on and act like these things aren't happening and pretend it's business as usual? And then you went into some stuff that you're affiliated with Keller Williams, so am I. You put in some, some stuff that, that our CEO and founder had sent you that had given you some hope and, 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 uh, and allowed you to kind of get going on Monday. And yet, here we are. We're, we're two and a half months three months into quarantine life, you've been homeschooling your 11 year old, uh, plus having a three year old running around and attempting to run a business and, and, and then all of this. <laughs> what yeah. has it been like over the last couple of weeks? I mean, it's been crazy. I mean, to say, to say the least, I mean, you know, dealing with, unfortunately, like dealing with racism and, you know, inequalities in America, that's not something new, you know, it's not something new, but it's just seemed that it's recently just really just been on an uptick and it's not, you know, I've seen different things saying it's not that it wasn't happening before, but it's just, maybe it's just more, um, you know, it's, it's, it's more visible that now it's actually being recorded, you know? So um, I think that's a big part of it, um, but it's been crazy. I mean, you have to understand before we even got into this whole, you know, these protests, these riots, you know, just the, the, all the recent events, we had COVID going on, you know, and, we were, we were home for, you know, a couple of months. People were already on edge, <laughs> you know? So it really just, it just really just added to everything else that was going on. Um, but, you know, you're home, you got children, you're trying to keep them entertained, you're trying to run a business, you're stressed out. I mean, just, just to be honest. Mm -hmm. And it, it seemed like we kind of found a little bit of a routine going and you know a little bit of normalcy we would kind of adapt and say okay this is going to be kind of the new normal this is kind of how we have to operate our businesses and then all of a sudden like things just go crazy you know and um it's like how are we even supposed to move forward like first week has to be closed for covid and now we have to be closed because of protests and it's just like it's just one thing after another you know yeah. You said you had an honest conversation with Nathaniel, your 11-year-old son, about what's yeah. going on. Um, I'm curious what that was like. I mean, what it is, is my son, I'm a very private person, just to be, just to be honest. For me to even be on a podcast, expressing my feelings is a big thing. And um, my son, he picks that up for me. He's a very private person. Um, and what I noticed is, you know, I watch the news, he watches it with me a little bit, but we, we really weren't talking about it too much. And the other night he came up into the living room and he walked past the TV while I was watching all this. And I, it really hit me that my 11 year old son just walked past this like it was just casual, that it was just something that happens. It's just TV. It's just the news. It's just something that we're getting used to. And that really bothered me that like, it was almost how numb he was to it. So I said, hey, Nate, just come over here for a second. Let's, you know, let's just talk for a little bit. And I said, Nate, do you understand, you know, what's going on? And he was like, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, didn't want to go too deep in it. And I, I said, do you understand why it's happening? And he said, yeah. And I'm like, how does it make you feel? And he's like, this is crazy, <laughs> you know? And I'm like, all right, I appreciate, you know, us talking, but let's, let's talk about it. You know, let's, let me ask, you know, let me get a little deeper. You know, you understand, you know, why this happened, but really like what caused that to happen? What, why do you think somebody felt in the position or felt comfortable doing what they did? And the way that people feel and are reacting, why do you think they feel that way? 
Like I wanted to get his whole perception on it. And he knows this isn't the first time it's happened. You know, he, he said, this is, this is, this happens over and over again. And, and that's, that's, that's tough. You know, um, he knows that there's problems with people and the police and, and race and just being black in America. He, he understands, you know, what's involved with it. Unfortunately, he's seen this too many times. And, you know, I can only imagine being a fifth grader right now, locked up in the house for a couple of months, already going stir crazy, missing your friends like crazy and not knowing what to do. And then you see this stuff. I mean, you know, it's, it's heavy. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because I kind of shared this with you the other day. I was talking to my family and I'm like, you know what? I think we all need to talk to somebody professionally. You know, myself, my two boys, everybody. And then um, I'm like, but right now with COVID, I'm not really a big person on like tele, you know, uh, therapies and all that stuff. I'm like, you got to kind of really get face to face with somebody and kind of sit down with them and talk to them. And I'm like, it just doesn't seem like the, the time or the environment where we can really make that happen. And then you called and I'm like, oh, maybe that was God answering my prayer. <laughs> well, I'm not a professional. I can tell you that much. No, no, and, I know. But sometimes and, you just have to get it off your chest. You, know, you do. So. <laughs> you do. Well, and I've never sat in your seat. And that's why I want no. to have you on. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm raising an eight-year-old white girl. You're raising, yeah. you have an 11-year-old black son and a three-year-old black son who you're raising in a country that clearly has some challenges. Yeah. So when you talked with him, when you talked with Nate about this and he was like, oh, yeah, I understand. Yep, this is the way it is. Uh, yep, I've seen it. Like, what, what's that like to have your 11-year-old just acknowledge that he was not surprised? I mean, it, it, it hurt me, you know. I mean, I think I'm numb to it, you know, because I've grown up, you know, seeing all this as a kid. And, you know, I've had my fair share of, you know, racism. I've, I'm, I'm numb to it. I'm not going to lie to it. But it still hurts. You know, every time you see it, it still hurts. And it, it, it was just, a, I, I just realized that he's in that same position. He's a lot younger. He's numb to this and he's 11. I'm, I'm numb to this and I'm, I'm pretty much 40. Mm-hmm. And to me, that just wasn't okay. It didn't sit, sit well. And I just said, okay, um, how does this really make you feel? Like you say crazy, but crazy's you know, that's a, you know, that can describe a lot of feelings. I'm going to make you sad. He said, yes. I said, does it make you upset? He said, yes. You know, the thing about Nate is like, Nate is, uh, he's a quiet guy like me. (laughs) You know, he doesn't talk too much, but, you know, he loves football. Gets on the football field, and I think that's kind of where he gets out his aggression. (laughs) You know, um, you know, and, and, you know, and then that's an environment where he can. And like right now, he's in a situation where there's not going to be sports in the spring right now. You know, and he doesn't have that outlet. So we definitely have to find a way that we can talk and, it is frustrations out, you know, and, um, you know, it, it goes both ways. It probably helps me a lot talking to him and it helps him talking as well to, to his dad. So, so um, have you guys sat and actually had a conversation prior to this about what it's like to grow up black in America? Yeah, we've talked about it. I mean, this is the thing I grew up in Boston and I mean, despite popular belief, there are, you know, in the cities and, communities in Boston, you know, there's a, there's a high, you know, minority population in Dorchester, Roxbury, Mattapan, High Park, certain parts of Boston. So we grew up, I grew up in a predominantly, you know, black neighborhood. I went to a predominantly black high school, um, you know, and then, you know, later in life, I went to college and, you know, just entered the workforce where it was pretty much the opposite of that. 
Um, you know, I had the opportunity to move, you know, quote unquote, out of the neighborhood. I moved into, you know, a close suburb um, right outside of Boston that's predominantly white. You know, the school that Nate goes to is predominantly white. There's probably two children of color in his class. You know, a, a, a very small population of his school looks like him. So we had to have these conversations with Nate at a very early age, just about race and color. And so it's not a new conversation. We've, we've had to have this before and we wanted to just make sure that he felt comfortable in his old skin, that he understood that, you know, it's okay to be different. It's okay to be black. And, you know, and if anything ever came up that addressed that or made him feel uncomfortable, we encouraged him to make sure that he came to us and spoke to us about it. So has he had to do that? Has he ever come home and said, Hey, this happened at school or not, not racial. I, I, not racially. Um, I, I think we're fortunate for that. We haven't had that, that situation. Um, I'm not, I can't say it's not happened and Nate hasn't shared it or maybe Nate didn't even identify it, but we haven't had anything, um, that we had to address as of yet. I'm, and, and that's not the same for a lot of my friends. I know a lot of my friends have had issues, you know, in various schools, various towns, you know, um, but fortunately we haven't had that, that issue as of yet. And I, it, it's a completely different lifestyle than I had growing up. You know, like Nate has friends of all backgrounds, colors, you know, and it's a beautiful thing. You know, he goes to their house, they come over our house. Um, you know, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so I don't, I also don't want to plant seeds in his head, you know, that may not be there, but I also don't want him to be oblivious of other things that might show up. Yeah. Well, when he steps outside of his bubble and, exactly. uh, and sees what's going on out there. Okay. So let me ask you some questions about what we're experiencing right now specifically. And it feels like that this particular time seems different to me from the response from America and not just people of color, not just black America, white America. It it seems as if it has grabbed attention in a different way. Does it feel that way to you? Yeah. No, the response is definitely a hundred percent different. You know, I was, you know, I was younger, but I remember seeing the, 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 uh, the riots they had in LA. You know, after, after Rodney, Rodney King. King, yeah. I saw that on TV as a kid growing mm-hmm. up in Boston. And I saw all the damage that was done there. You know, all the stores that were burnt out. And I just saw all that as a kid. And this is, I haven't seen anything close to that, you know, since being a kid seeing that. And this is way bigger than that was. That right. was kind of, you know, confined to a certain area. It wasn't, it wasn't across the country. You know, so this response is, you know, definitely different. It feels a lot different. Um, what I can tell you is this. I own a storefront in Dorchester, you know, in, in, in the inner city. And on Sunday, they had a protest not too far from my space. And, you know, they damaged, you know, some property. Not a whole lot in the inner city, but then they went to different neighborhoods. And a lot of damage was done Sunday night in Boston in various, you know, various areas. Last night, there was also another major gathering in Dorchester. It was in Franklin Park. There was thousands of people there. Now, Franklin Park is probably 10 minutes from my space, my storefront. And when I left my, 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 my business yesterday, I saw other businesses boarding up their, their spaces. And 
that really hit me because it's like, okay, this is supposed to be demonstrations, protests to address racism, to address inequality, you know, and the issues that are going on with police brutality and give a voice for the inner city, but we're doing damage to, you know, minority owned businesses in our own community. And this is crazy. I thought it was crazy that we have to even our, our, our spaces within the community because we're, you know, fearful that they're going to be destroyed. So last night I had to bring my boys to my storefront, you know, and we passed, the, you know, the riot people, we passed, you know, the protesters, you know, we passed a caravan of probably five, you know, public transportation buses full of police and, and riot gear. And my, my kids had to take that all in. You know, and the point of that whole thing is I went to my office, you know, I didn't have time to board my office up or my, my, my storefront up. I didn't have time to call somebody to board it up and, and simply put, I just put a sign up on my um, space that said black owned. And, you know, you know, we have this one saying, you're familiar with it, you know, fear of faith, you choose, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. So I said, I have faith that I'm going to put this sign up and just how they passed my, 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 um, business on Sunday, they're going to pass my business again today, you know, and th that they're going to just realize that I'm part of the community and they're not going to damage, you know, my business. And they didn't, I came, I just came here just now and it's untouched. And I'm probably one of the only people who did not board my, my um, storefront up. But just the fact that my son, you know, my three-year-old, he's with, he sees it. He doesn't know what's going on. He's seeing police cars. He, it's a show to him. He doesn't get it. But my 11-year-old, he saw all that. And this is just after we had our conversation on Sunday about how do you feel, you know, what about this makes you sad? What about this makes you upset? What about this makes you angry? Then he had to see all that. So then we basically had, you know, the conversation just continues again. And now he can see it in full glory. It's not just on TV. You know, it's not just, oh, this is the news that's, you know, you know, sometimes when you see things on TV, you, there's no sense of reality to it. But when you're actually seeing this in person, you know, that's something he's never going to forget. You know, well, his and life has been changed, right? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it, it feels so much different. This response is very different. Um, as you can tell, it's not just people of color protesting. I would probably say there's more, you know, white people and people of other backgrounds out here right now who, who are part of the, the, uh, demonstrations. And um, I think that's really necessary for change to happen, unfortunately. Well, let's talk about that because <laughs> I've talked to many fathers and because um, we're going to do several episodes on this. And so, and, and, and literally every black father who I've spoken to has said that, that they need the white community to step up and be an ally. Um, why is that so important? I mean, I'll shoot straight, James. I'll shoot yep. straight. That's what we do. <laughs> you know? That's what we do. So if you look at what happened in um, Minneapolis, right, you have white protesters in front of black people, right? And I honestly believe that prevented the police from, from hurting black people. I feel like if I'm just going to be honest, that's my opinion. I don't speak for you know, every person of color out there, that's how I viewed it, that if that line 
of white supporters and allies wasn't in front of the people of color, it could have been a whole different story. Hmm. That's really how I feel about it. Yeah. So that, in that case, you're saying that was a, that was a safety support in some way that, that kept people safe uh, in that particular example in your mind. In my mind, I mean, I really, if it was just all people of color, the police would have just acted differently. And they think twice when there's people who look like them in front of them before, you know, taking action. That's, that's just how I feel about it. Yeah. Well then let's talk about, let's talk, I want you to talk specifically to our white dads who are listening mm-hmm. and uh, cause they're not, they're not having the same conversations that, that you've had with your son and the conversations you'll likely have with your son as he gets older, as he begins to drive, as he's out in the community more. Yep. Um, what, what do you want to, if you were sitting down with a white dad, well, you are sitting down with a white dad right now. So tell me, <laughs> what do I need to know that I don't know? What, what do I need to become aware of so that number one, I can raise my children, child, so I can raise my child to be somebody that is, is an ally and, and who um, behaves in a kind and appropriate way to all people. And what do I need to know for me? Yeah. Um, you know, that's a pretty loaded question, but I mean, I really think it comes down to exposure, you know, and really just interaction. I mean, I think there has to be um, just situations, environments where, you know, our children play together and they interact with each other because it's not going to happen on a daily basis within schools and our natural, you know, just course of life. Um, you know, sport, to me, sports is like a huge, you know, a huge uh, opportunity where, you know, people get together regardless of their backgrounds. You know, um, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in a pretty much predominantly black neighborhood. I later on went to um, Tufts University in uh, Medford, and I think the the, the percentage of uh, minorities was one percent, you know, and that was culture shock for me. I wanted to leave that school my first year. It just was too much, but I also played football, and when I played football, I met a lot of good guys who I'm still like best friends with today. Mm-hmm. And these are white guys. These are white dads. These are these are fathers who have, you know, you know, children. And our kids, you know, they play together. They see each other. You know, they, they, you know, we might not all live close to each other, so we may not interact in, like, you know, sports and stuff like that. But, you know, we do take the time to hang out with each other, take trips, do different things like that. And I really think it's just exposure. I don't know the, the, the right answer to it, but if there's opportunities where you can bring your children to places where people of color are, you know, whether it be, you know, different events, or just, you know, different things like that. I think that's important. You know, I think, you know, I don't know. I think that that helps a lot. Um, Because like I said, with Nate just watching the news, it's one thing when you see people of color on TV and that's different, you know, but when you actually interact with them and meet them and, you know, become friends with them, I think that's the only way that you're going to really, you know, close a gap in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Well, what's your final thing that you want to share uh, as we wrap up the final message you want to give to our dads? Um, well, just, you know, we're all going through it. Um, <laughs> you know, you know, black, white, other, anything like that. We all have, you know, different things, different issues that we share as fathers that we have to do raising, you know, respectable children um, in this world. And at the end of the day, I mean, it really comes down to love, you know, like you got to show that love. It's, it's not being too macho to, 
cry in front of your kids, to have these, you know, really intimate conversations, really showing vulnerability, you know, to our kids and just being honest with them. You know, like, you know, I I really don't have one, <laughs> one specific message to, to share, but it's really just that. Just me personally, I didn't grow up with a father in my life, personally. And um, my mission was always to be the best dad I could be to my boys. And, you know, whether it's providing for them, you know, you know, materially, you know, uh, just being there for them, being present for them, going on field trips, the whole nine. Um, I think that's really a major thing. I, I, I don't know if, you know, you see it as much in like white communities, but in black communities, it's like, it's prevalent where, you know, fathers are not present, you know? So across the board, I think the presence of having fathers involved with their kids' life showing them love, showing that the kids are loved. It's just, it's just, it can't be replaced. Yeah. Well, Eric, thanks for sharing with us. We learned a lot today from you. I appreciate you very much. And uh, thanks so much for taking the time. All right, James. Thank you so much. So thankful Eric would take the time to share his story with us and uh, just allow us to have this conversation. And that's what we've got to do. What we're going to do over the next few episodes is continue this conversation. And I encourage you to tune into every single one of them because we're going to hear different perspectives from different dads. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to learn, to grow, to get better, and support our entire community. So I want to thank uh, Eric again for joining us. I trust you got some value out of our conversation. That's my goal is to allow us to have conversations that matter and move us forward. If you did get some value out of it, would you share it with somebody that you know? Uh, you know, share it on social media or, or tag somebody in it so that they can learn about it. We are active, very active on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search at Positively Dad. And then, you know what would be awesome? If you just subscribed. If you rate, review, and subscribe, that way you tell people how much you love it. And, uh, and then you never miss an episode. That would be great as well. We're so thankful that last week... Uh, we found out we were the number 43 parenting podcast in the United States. So that comes from you listening. And all of our growth is organic. We don't, we don't have any advertisers. We don't pay to promote a podcast. It comes from you sharing. And we would just like for you to share that message if you would. Finally, if you know somebody that would be a great guest or maybe you'd like to be on the show and you want to chat, just send me an email, james at positivelydad.com, and, and we'll chat. And, and it'll be a great episode, I'm sure. Thanks so much for listening to Positively Dad. I'm James Shaw. Talk to you next time. Bye-bye.